0: Welcome to the Higher Ed Jobs Podcast, Ask the Expert Edition. I'm Andy Hibble, the Chief Operating Officer and one of the co-founders of Higher Ed Jobs.
1: And I'm Kelly Sherwin, the Director of Editorial Strategy. So we're happy to have our friend of the podcast back, Matt Trainham, who is the Vice President for Networks and Strategic Partnerships at the Council of Independent Colleges. Thanks, Matt, for being back with us.
2: Kelly, Andy, it's such a treat to be here. Congrats on the continued success of this podcast, and I'm excited for our questions today.
1: Today's question from our community member is, from a supervisory perspective, how do you keep your team up to date with new technology, software, and technical needs? What are some strategies for navigating asking employees to brush up on and keep up on technical training?
2: Oh, Kelly, this is a, this is a fun one. And when I first read it, I had lots of sort of customary answers, and I think that we can go over those in a minute. But when I stepped back from this question, I was really going, what problem are they trying to solve? What problem is the supervisor trying to solve here? The technology training divorced from any sort of specific need or direction or problem is, I think is where the problem happens. My first response to to this question, my first thought that I'd love just to talk with you all about is is what's the problem they're trying to solve? What's the outcome focus that you can bring to this training? Because if it's simply, hey, go, go do some tech training, I think that just is harder to do. So that's the first thought I have. Curious what you all think about that.
0: There has to be a, a reason for it. It can't just like, hey, we're completely upgrading from this brand suite of products to that brand suite of products. Everybody needs it. Okay, cool. Got it. This specialized software is upgrading. Cool. Everybody needs it. Or you're new and you don't have experience in the specialized software. Go take some education on that.
1: Yeah, I agree. There has to be a benefit, but I also think that the benefit should be explained. And then I think the process will be a little bit easier.
2: Right. And when I go into this a little bit more, the next place I would go with it is the agency and autonomy in the process. So if you're trying to get something different out of the work that you do, so we had a previous conversation around ChatGPT. So imagine I'm the financial aid office. A question could be to my financial aid team team, how can we use ChatGPT here to do our work better? At least that's somehow directed, and it also gives autonomy and agency to the people who are trying to learn. So a a learner guided exposure to the technology, and letting them solve problems presented to them that that needs to be solved within the the range of their job and their performance space is for me the direction that I would use technology. Technology is not an end of itself; it's there for a solution for something. So first, I just wanted to couch it that way. I wanted to position the conversation that way, and then with that positioning. I mean, there's a whole lot of things that that then go into that. So the positioning is part of culture. So you need to have a culture that's about the learner, that communicates the needs for constantly kind of upgrading and improving what we're doing. There probably needs to be embedded resources in the conversation. If you're going to require people to do it, then there needs to be support to help them do it, right? And so you can't just tell people to get better at something without making sure that they've got support for it. Uh, I'll tell you from some of the research I've looked at in the past, one of the best benefits is exposure to conversation in the field of whoever that person is, whatever that field is, outside of the institution. So how are you supporting the ability for that financial aid officer, that chemistry faculty member, that facilities person to understand the conversations happening nationally because that will then guide and direct them into the technology that's coming into the field. And so I think that's a huge one that I've seen and would really emphasize to this particular person, is there something that you want them to get more exposure to, give them that exposure and then maybe they'll find the problem that the technology is waiting to solve.
1: So I kind of have a spinoff from what you just said and actually what the original question is, but it's from the supervisory perspective. I was at a conference recently and someone said to me, kind of asked the question, like, how do I deal with someone who's worked in our department for over 20 years and doesn't know how to use Excel? How do I tell her that? We have to get her up to speed in a delicate way. That's kind of a, like I said, a little spin off of like, how does the supervisor get this person up to speed on, on technology when she's like, I worked here for 20 years and now you want me to do this?
2: Right. When you're asking team members to brush up and keep up with technology training, it's essential to approach that matter with empathy and understanding, right? I would actually back up one step and say somewhere in the hiring process, there's an opportunity, since this is higher jobs, somewhere in the hiring process, there's an opportunity to make sure that there's not a mismatch in critical skill areas, right? And so that that's a potential miss that happened in the hiring process when that person came in. Beyond that, I think I really like this idea of what are the expectations? Brush up on Excel. My goodness. <laughs> hey, y'all, we could all brush up on Excel. Excel does so many more things than we could ever do. What do I need to be able to be accomplished in Excel or in PowerPoint or in Power BI or anything else? And have those as the expectations. Here are the resources to get there. And then let's work through it along the way. Like, how did that go last week with those practices? How were those trainings? How was that video engagement? Here are two local masters that are really good in the space, that are really educated in this technology, that can sit with you and help you train. And ultimately, we all know the reality is there's some moments where, okay, that's not going to happen. What does that mean then for the future of the employee? Does that mean that the employee's position needs to shift or that we need to shift the employee?
0: I think that's an interesting perspective on this question, Kelly. I think for me, and I feel like it, it's required here, I think this is where the pandemic has changed a lot. The change in remote work, the fluidity of hybrid work, in some instances, some institutions are doing all in person. The technology needs are much different. I'd also put out there the blurring of the hardware and what you feel comfortable with. Do you feel comfortable using your own cell phone for work purposes. At what instance do you feel comfortable doing that? I think that the challenge that I think you have as a supervisor is it's great that you want to work from home, but if we can't supply you the technology and you don't have the proper ability to use your own at home, how do we do that? Or even worse, if you don't have great broadband out by where you live, How do I allow you to work from home? What's the willingness to do that? And I think to kind of go to Matt's discussion of the higher ed jobs, part of what we do here, those are all really fair questions now and having some sort of vetting process to say, that's great that this is hybrid or that's great. This is all remote, but let's make sure we're set up for success here because if every time we try to zoom with you or every time you try to go into our VPN, you can't get in there. That's a problem. And that's not a problem I can call IT to solve in a lot of instances. Don't get me wrong, in some places, some IT departments will deal with that. Not as much in in higher ed. So I think it's a bigger, bigger, bigger question than it was before. But actually, I think that, that you're part of that, Kelly. Somebody who's had a 20 year deficiency and then trying to come at that in a humane fashion, that takes some skill, but also, I think I agree with you, Matt, like wholeheartedly, that needs to come very early in the relationship as an employer, not when you've allowed it for a period of years.
1: Thanks to you both for answering that sub-question. I appreciate it.
2: So ultimately, I'd say it's, it's a culture and practice issue. So you have a culture that really rewards employees for pursuing new solutions, practices that expose them to those new solutions. You put those together and hopefully you can get to some, some good tech-enabled solutions with all the new technology that continues to roll our direction.
0: Nice way to bring that all together, Matt. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Matt, for joining us today.
2: It is a complete treat, as always, to be here.
0: Thanks again, Matt. Thank you for listening. And if you have any questions for our experts, please feel free to email us at podcast at higheredjobs.com or tweet us at higher ed jobs. We'd love to have your questions. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.